Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, we answer the most asked question of week one. How do you go about stopping Derrick Henry? And maybe it's not even about stopping the game's best running back. Maybe it's just about limiting his effectiveness, or better said, explosiveness. In any case, that is priority number one on Sunday. And oh yeah, let's not forget about Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. Yes, it's quite the challenge. First, though, is number 24 back in play? We'll explain. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 463, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins... Here's Craig Grealu and Mike Jarecki. So there are only five numbers the Cardinals have retired in franchise history. 8, 40, 77, 88, and 99. A sixth will be retired if and when Larry Fitzgerald ever decides to call it a career. Some other numbers we associate with players, and those numbers are up in the ring of honor. Numbers like three. Carson Palmer, 13, Kurt Warner. There are some other numbers that have not been quote-unquote retired, but just we haven't seen on the field. And I'll give you credit, MJ, because there is a number that was on the football field this week, and we just happened to notice it on Thursday. But uh, why don't you detail perhaps some breaking news perhaps this week, week one on Sunday in Nashville. So over the years, Adrian Wilson, I think, want to say in his first year he won number 22. Correct, as a rookie in 2001. And then he changes to 24. Correct. And Ward for 11 seasons. 11 seasons, he's in the ring of honor. Yes. Ever since then, they have never given that number out to anybody. And now they're when you have a 90-man roster, they'll go give numbers out to two different players with the same number. Usually it's offense and defense, so you don't see the same number on the same side of the ball. But according to Adrian Wilson, quote, I'm good. Actually, oh. it was all good. All good, correct. The exclusive statement from Adrian Wilson here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Perhaps, Bird Gang, this week, number 24 not only will be worn, but we will see it on a football field in week one. And that number 24 currently is worn by Rasul Douglas, who is currently on the practice squad. Now, he has to be elevated to the active roster. That may or may not come Friday or Saturday, but there is a possibility, and I would think a strong possibility, given the lack of experience at the cornerback position, that number 24 of the Arizona Cardinals will be on a football field for the first time since Adrian Wilson stepped away and called it a career with the Arizona Cardinals in 2012. Yeah, you know, right now between uh, Barco, he wears number 27, and then you mentioned 24 now in Douglas, and they also have uh, Hamilton in camp. All the, all these guys are, are trying to get to the uh, main roster, but it wouldn't surprise me just based on, you know, after the top three corners, Murphy, Alford, and Marco Wilson, there is a drop-off. And I don't know if you can afford to go into the game with Tay Gowan or another rookie so I do anticipate we'll see some roster move as to what positions. I would think possibly corner. 
and then you take a look at you know what's the latest uh, when it comes to Dennis Gardick. Is he ready? He, he was at full practice limited today, according to the injury report. So um, I do, do think we're going to get some moves based on what they uh, uh, going into the game. I think you have to add some more depth to the roster. You know, it's going to be a little odd not seeing number 11 on the field, but to have a number 24 on the football field, it's not a number that we have talked a lot about. Obviously, Carson Palmer, number three, that's now Buda Baker. We talked about Kurt Warner wearing 13. Well, that's now Christian Kirk. So there are numbers that have been repeated. Even though their name is in the Ring of Honor, doesn't mean that the number is retired. And number 24 is not retired. Our colleague Ron Wolfley wore that number, went to four Pro Bowls. Adrian Wilson went to five Pro Bowls. And that is something that is going to be interesting because I do anticipate. I mean, I haven't been told anything, but uh, I would think it's what we'd say, a 90% possibility or a 90% chance that there is going to be a move, a roster move, as far as elevating a practice squad player or two just to add some depth. And you look at that cornerback room, Byron Murphy, Robert Alford, and Marco Wilson. Then you got Tay Gowan and Luke Barku. I would certainly feel a lot better with some experience. Now, you're not looking to supplant the top three guys in Murphy, Alford, and Wilson, but just to give some help, if you will, especially when you're talking about a rookie and Marco Wilson and Tay Gowan, guys who are going to get their first NFL experience, and it's on the road in a hostile environment against what everyone believes will be one of the best, if not the best, offenses in the National Football League in 2021 because you've got an A.J. Brown and you got a Julio Jones. Now, when you look at Douglas, he's on the practice squad. So, you know, Adrian's probably thinking he's not on the 53-man roster yet, but you're right. Quote was all good, unquote. So I like the size, 6'2", 209. He's been in the league five years, and the good news is you're not pulling this guy off the couch. He was in training camp. Um, he obviously was a guy that got a chance to play in Philadelphia – um, he got a chance to play in the postseason. Um, I just like his size, and to me, you got to have some experience there versus a guy like Tay Gowan or, or uh, uh, Barco. Now, does this count as an appearance by Adrian Wilson here <laughs> on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, a proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals? We know he listens to the show, even though he claims he does not. He is a big fan of Cardinals Cover 2, but we just can't get him here in studio with us at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. But a statement, does that, can we put a little asterisk next to that and say, yes, we've had A-Dub in as a guest, sort of, kind eh, of, not really. Not really. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, we've we've gone to the higher-ups, and we actually had got a permission slip that he's uh, he's eligible to come on the show, but right now he keeps giving us the Heisen salute. And, you know, maybe he doesn't want to be the spokesperson. Obviously, we all have bosses in life, and, he, you know, he works for the organization, but under Steve Kime, and, you know, he's, he also is, has, you know, a position next to a guy like Quentin Harris and Drew Grigson, even though he's got the title. So we, we've gotten clearance. It's that, unfortunately, we just haven't been able to um, make it work. And, you know, it's kind of a running joke right now. <laughs> um, between him and Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, we talk about him all the time, and they still haven't been on the show. And for Adrian... You know, I could say he's grinding tape right now, but I think they're excited. You know, they want to see what this team can do. But 
there's no reason why he just can't take the elevator down here and just chop it up with us. We're not that far away. Although I'll say this, in covering A-Dub, he was always a man of few words. So it's not surprising that his exclusive statements here on <laughs> Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, two words. is two words. <laughs> Maybe he's channeling his inner Michael Jordan when he announced that he was coming out of retirement. It was simply two words. I'm back. So look. <laughs> A-Dub and MJ was something in common during the course of their playing careers. Yeah. <laughs> Again, you know, I covered him when he was a, he was a pup, when he was a rookie. And, you know, initially you got to build some trust with players and you try to talk to them. And, you know, there were days maybe in his second or third season where I would look over at his locker on a Wednesday and he would give me, not today. And, you know, I don't know if he had a designated day, you know, uh, you know, Kyler Murray talks on Wednesdays. Larry and Pat used to talk on Thursday. Today we were fortunate enough to get J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins and, of course, Vance Joseph, so that may, could be their days. But And then there were Thursdays, and usually the heavy install day is on Tuesday night, Wednesday. On Thursday I would look at him, and then on Friday he would say, okay, it's time, you know, because he obviously was so focused on, you know, obviously trying to, uh, send a message what is you know his style of play which he wouldn't be able to play right now otherwise he'd be fined and suspended for x amount of games but he he's very moody when he was a player <laughs> that's a one way to describe it <laughs> and perhaps a little moody still in his retirement <laughs> as well but we have a good relationship with him yes yeah, we, we see him every day when we were at camp we walk by him and you know we exchange pleasantries <laughs> Uh, yeah, again, another <laughs> good way to describe what goes on yeah. during those brief interactions. All right, let's get serious. And and actually, we were all, in all honesty, Bird Gang, this is serious stuff. I mean, there is a possibility that number 24 is on the football field on Sunday. Let's not kid about that. But you brought up Dennis Gardeck, and the injury report is out for Thursday. Gardeck, again, dealing with that knee injury, the torn ACL late last season, a full participant on Wednesday officially limited on Thursday and we only get 20 minutes sometimes 25 sometimes less than that but I was paying attention to what Gardeck was doing because there is this question as far as you know is he going to be available in week one can he play defense can he play just special teams could we see him on both defense and special teams but in looking and watching him handle drills, the pass rush drills, whether you're running around the hula hoop, if you will, or attacking the tackling dummy, he was going full speed. There did not look like there were any limitations at all, so that is all good news. It's just a matter of football shape and is he needed week one? Do you want to rush it? But I'll say this, MJ, I would not be surprised if Dennis Gardeck is active and we see him maybe for a handful of snaps defensively, maybe not. Maybe it's just on special teams because we know what a phenom he is as far as on the coverage units, and maybe that's where he begins his 2021 and then kind of little by little plays some defense. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And clearly they made a decision uh, when they took him and J.J. Watt off the PUP starting the season. Now, J.J. Watt was never going to be uh, in that in that conversation. But if you start the season on PUP, you have to miss the first six weeks. So my thought process was maybe he comes back 
realistically maybe week three, four. I mean, because you want to have him for the long haul. But you know, the way he practices, at least in the open portion, I mean, he goes balls to the wall. He's 100 miles an hour, and sometimes you got to, you know, tell him to calm down. But uh, you know, obviously he's wearing a huge knee brace, which gives him support. Um, so I'm I'm curious. But the Cardinals did protect three players. It would be uh, Antonio Hamilton, Rasul Douglas, and Kylie Fitz. So if Gardick can't go, we know Kylie Fitz is a guy that can set the edge. And, you know, you start looking at Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden. We think Hassan, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah Simmons can get a chance to rush. And then you have Kennard. Again, when I say protect, that means another team can't claim them because they're basically on the practice squad. So I do think we're going to see some moves. And a lot of it will hinge on if Gardick's active or not. Yeah, and that's something with regard to the practice squad you typically see on Saturdays, 24 hours before kickoff on Sunday. So we'll pay attention to that as we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A reminder, if you enjoy what you're hearing, we invite you to subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast. That's way you, you never miss a single episode of your favorite shows like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, Cardinals Red Sea Report, The Dave Hash Podcast, and of course this show, Cardinals Cover 2. You can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Stitcher, or just go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. All right, as we look ahead to week one, Cardinals at the Titans at 10 a.m. is the kickoff on Sunday. That means pregame coverage begins at 5.30 a.m. local time here in Arizona. But on Wednesday, we focused on the Cardinals' offense against the Titans' defense. Let's switch it up. Let's talk about the Cardinals' defense against the Titans' offense. And it's the one question that everyone has for this week from the Cardinals' perspective. And it might be the one question any team has when you're going up against that Titans' offense. And it is a simple question with maybe not a simple solution. How do you go about stopping Derek Henry. And just for information purposes, a year ago, Henry became the eighth member of the 2000 Rushing Yard Club, had 10 games with at least 100 rushing yards, three games with at least 200 rushing yards. The Offensive Player of the Year, he is a two-time NFL rushing champion. Yes, he gets a lot of carries, MJ, but it doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime soon, even when you talk about week one and the fact that he had no preseason reps. This has become priority number one. We always hear it from defensive coordinators, regardless of who's talking, you have to stop the run. Well, this week, yeah, you have to stop the run, or if nothing else, limit the run. Make sure Henry doesn't get 10, 15, 20 plus yard runs whenever he touches the football. Yeah, and as you pointed out, nearly 2,758 rushing yards after contact since the start of the 2019 season, almost a thousand more than any other back during that span. And again, it's a stiff arm. It's when he gets to the second level, uh, those DBs willing to. You know, are they willing to try to arm tackle him? That's not going to work. You're going to have to go for his knees. You know, the old target in baseball, armpit to knees. That's where you're going to have to get him. Easier said than done. And that's the biggest fear for me is, you know, and we'll get into some of my uh, keys going into the game tomorrow, so I'm not going to say that right now. But just you, you got to eliminate him getting to that second level because 
a five-yard gain, stiff arm on a small, you know, maybe a Jalen Thompson who's not the biggest guy, or even Buda Baker, even though Buda Baker, he explained to us how he hits and the speed that he brings to different players. So there's a little power behind his body when he's trying to tackle someone. But he gives you that stiff arm, and next thing you know, it's 40 yards, and, and then you're just hoping to catch him. So that that's going to be something. I don't know if you're going to shut him down. you got to contain him, though. And if you can get in third and long, that will play well to the Cardinals' defense because we know that Vance Joseph will have certain packages for certain players to put pressure on the quarterback. J.J. Watt earlier on Thursday asked about Derrick Henry. Quote, he's so strong and powerful combined with being fast. You let him get rolling, you're in for a long day. End quote. And it's not so much that he gets better as the game goes on, but if this defense, especially not so much the front seven, but the defensive linemen, whichever combination of three, maybe even you go heavy defensive line with four, but if they can get some pressure, if they can get some penetration through the offensive line, don't let Henry get going. Don't let him get ahead of steam past that front line, first line of defense into the secondary because that is where he is the most dangerous is when he gets into the open field. But if MJ, they're able to hit him, hit him a couple of times when he immediately gets the ball or within a yard or two of the line of scrimmage and just gang tackle him, wrap him up as much as possible. Of course, that does expose you on the outside if you add someone, an extra defender in the box. But I do think if you can not stop but contain, limit Derrick Henry, then I do like the Cardinals' chances this week. Yeah, and it's not like... You know, we always hear these, you know, the bell cow. And usually the bell cow means you've got one back. And you can probably make the case for Alvin Kamara, uh, Latavius Murray. They asked him to take a pay cut, so he's no longer in New Orleans. You look at Delvin Cook. You know, you usually have a nice back up there. But there's a couple bell cows. But when you think of bell cow, you know, you think a guy is going to carry the ball 25 times or more, okay? He averages 23.6 uh, attempts per game just from rushing. So you, you, to me, if you can rush over 30 yards and you get over 100 yards, I like your chances to win. Uh, again, it's what you do in the red zone. If you're kicking field goals, probably not. 17 rushing touchdowns. So clearly he's a guy that is is is, is a huge weapon, and I think you have to gang tackle him. You can't have just one guy. you got you got you got to be flying around. And Kyle Vandenbosch was impressed with the Cardinals' corners tackling in the preseason. And, you know, now again, that's going to be Murphy. Uh, he's got the physicality, he's got the, uh, the smarts to do it. Robert Alford's a physical player. Marco Wilson's more, maybe more finesse, but he's fast. And so I got to think those are the top three corners and more in coverage. But if he gets to that second layer, uh, you better bring your hard hat because he's going to try to run you over or he'll give you that stiff arm. And I think Josh Norman's probably still looking at that play um, who recently signed with the 49ers. Yeah, you don't want to go viral, if you will. <laughs> Although, as Isaiah Simmons pointed out this week, you can't play scared either. You can't play to avoid that stiff arm. You know it's coming. You just hope you don't have to get to that point. Maybe it is earlier so you're not in the open field when Derrick Henry gets a load of steam and all of a sudden he's into that 5, 10, 15 yards and then 
extends the run because the use of the stiff arm. Well, just his body size, you can't arm tackle him. Now, you know, if J.J. Watt's able to get off a block, and, you know, obviously J.J. Watt does wear a a huge brace on his arm, on his elbow, and that's probably because of a a previous injury, you cannot arm tackle this guy because he'll go right through you, and then that's where you got to worry about injuries, bicep, triceps, and everything else. So I think they know what's going on. They've watched a lot of film. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. They got a new play caller. They've added some weapons, obviously, in Julio. But for the most part, um, you know, you, I think it all starts with Ryan Tannehill. And I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in football. You know, he showed flashes in Miami. Uh, they were a dysfunctional franchise at the time. I like what they've done with under Chris Greer and Brian Flores. So I think they're on the rise. We'll see about Tua. Um, but Tannehill, I mean, he's – he's. I mean, I, I looked at these numbers – and you look at Patrick Mahomes, Craig, over the last two seasons, 25-4 and four as a starter, okay? 66% of his passes, he's thrown 64 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Tannehill, 18-8 and eight as a starter, 67%, 55 touchdowns, only 13 interceptions, and he's averaging 7.2 yards per pass play. Now, last year they had the tight end, and I've mentioned it a few times, Arthur Smith, the head coach of the Falcons, he did a really good job getting guys in space. A.J. Brown, uh, Jonah Snu, uh, Smith, right? Yes. Yeah, and the tight end he signed with the uh, the Patriots along with uh, uh, another tight end, Henry. So they're going to miss him a little bit. But adding Julio, I mean, he's kind of like a tight end playing wide receiver, and he's got he's got all the attributes now. He's got to stay healthy for them. But uh, our focus now, he's going to be playing on Sunday. Well, the difficulty for the Cardinals this week, and I think for a lot of teams this season, is you know you focus so much of your attention, your game planning on Derrick Henry. Do you put seven in the box? Do you add an eighth in the box? And then all of a sudden that leaves three defenders and one-on-one coverage on the outside with a Julio Jones and A.J. Brown and Josh Reynolds. These are the decisions that defensive coordinators are going to have to make because Ryan Tannehill is that good. I do like the word you use. He is very underrated. Looking at some previews of the Tennessee Titans coming into this season, I saw this stat. Since being named the Titans starter in Week 7 of 2019, Tannehill ranks first in the league in passing yards per attempt, third in passing touchdowns, third in offensive touchdowns, and owns the third-best passer rating. Yet when you talk quarterbacks and elite quarterbacks Ryan Tannehill's name is never let me repeat that his name is never in the mix Patrick Mahomes Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers Drew Brees when he was still around playing those were the names Josh Allen now and now yes you can substitute Josh Allen Lamar Jackson those are the names Kyler Murray those are the names that are top of mind not a Ryan Tannehill which Hey, you're winning ball games. You're getting into the postseason. You're doing your job. You're just not getting the recognition. Don't know how he feels about that. Never had a conversation. But it is something to consider because he's not a game manager. He is a very solid quarterback, and I dare say elite, just based off of his personal numbers. And then he's what he's done with the Tennessee Titans, especially the past two seasons. And maybe the Titans don't think he's underrated. They gave him a nice contract extension. He's making 29 average this year compared to Patrick Mahomes, 45 million this year. Yeah, and it's well deserved, and maybe even on the cheap, 
if you will, if he keeps going the way he is. Yeah, and he's very accurate, very accurate. Doesn't make a lot, of, a lot of mistakes. Again, 55 touchdowns over 13 interceptions. You talk about when he took over, 66 touchdowns. Again, third in passer rating. And uh, again, uh, you just hope that he doesn't have the ball in the fourth quarter with the, with two or four minutes left in the game. You know, obviously it could come down to a kick. Hopefully it's the other side where Matt Prater or the Cardinals have the lead and they can run the ball. So um, I don't think, um, you know, Tannehill's – and really I think you hit it on the head. Um, he's not a game manager. He can win you games in the fourth quarter. And he's had time to throw the football because that offensive line has been very, very good. Last year, they only allowed 25 sacks, the sixth fewest in the league. There is some question mark, though, with that offensive line as far as just how healthy, how ready are Ben Jones and Nate Davis, your starting center and right guard, respectively. Just earlier this week, activated off the COVID-19 list. Are they ready to go? I'm sure they are, but just how in shape are they? What's their conditioning? And then left tackle Taylor Lewan, the local kid out of Scottsdale Chaparral, missed the last 11 games of last season after tearing his ACL in October. He hasn't seen a lot of preseason snaps, preseason reps, so how healthy, how ready to go is this offensive line because on paper they're pretty solid outside of who their right tackle is going to be let me ask you this uh, the the head coach caught COVID um, you know obviously probably did a lot of zoom stuff he couldn't be at the facility um, you know social distancing and he didn't want to have any tracing going Ryan Tannehill was also on Correct. COVID and he missed some time and you know some guys come back a little bit faster than others some guys lose their smell and their, and their taste I just wonder, when you bring in a new wide receiver like Julio, now granted, just like everyone else, they had him in the offseason, but Julio did miss some time in camp. And A.J. Brown, who's he's practiced today and he's good to go, as you pointed out, between A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Ryan Tannehill, and Derrick Henry, they did not play in the preseason. So I just wonder about the timing. I think he's fine with the guys that have been there, but you get a new receiver. And I guess if you just throw it in the vicinity of Julio Jones, he's going to catch it. You're not going to know until after the fact, but I do believe that there is such a thing as when you play an opponent. Is there a right time? Is there a better time to see an opponent? And with the Tennessee Titans, as formidable as they look and appear to be on paper, and even looking at what they did a year ago, bringing a lot of those offensive players back here in 2021, is week one perhaps the best time to see this Tennessee Titans team before they get rolling, before they become that legit playoff Super Bowl contender that everyone has pegged them right now, but that's before the game is even played. Do you get them before they have a chance to kind of get all of their pieces together and really start rolling as if you're looking at a week eight, a week 10, a week 11, maybe week one, the Cardinals catch a break. Yeah, I think that's another valid point there because they're only, you know, the first week you're going to have some mistakes. You're going to have, you know, we're going to get into the, some of the keys tomorrow. You know, how do the Cardinals rookies, at least three guys, how do they perform with the big lights? But yeah, I think so. Just based on the COVID situation and the fact that Green and Brown did miss some time, uh, they're trying to still figure out their their right tackle. I know we're talking about their offense, but defensively, um, I think they're in the same scenario we are uh, when it comes to the secondary. So, I mean, I got to think. You know, we talked about the uh, the the total points in this game, fifty two. Uh, I mean, the only other game that's as high as the. Uh, 
Chiefs and Browns, and they're in Kansas City. That's 52.5, so we could see a lot of scoring. I do think both teams want to try to run the football, and clearly it's going to start with Derrick Henry, and they'll utilize play action, and then they're going to try to get some one-on-one matchups on the outside. And that's what Coach Vance Joseph discussed earlier on Thursday, the running game, the play action. It all looks the same, so if you're those – defensive linemen you're those linebackers you can't get sucked in and that's where Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons come into play because they're still real young including an Isaiah Simmons but this is going to be a huge test a huge challenge and how do those young inside linebackers meet the challenge especially as well as they've performed Yet you do have Jordan Hicks and the mix, who is going to be a huge help, a huge benefit, not only to Collins and Simmons, but the entire defense overall. But that is the uncertainty with this defense, the inside linebackers and a secondary that is not as strong as it was a week ago. When the schedule came out and, you know, the, uh, it was announced the Titans were the first matchup, I thought, wow, this is a team that made the postseason last year. And, uh, you know, some are picking them to represent the conference. I guess, you know, it's kind of top heavy in the AFC. But just what the Cardinals talked about in the offseason physicality, physicality. Well, they're going against a physicality team. And I, I got to assume they're going to play their man to man or zone. And that means you're going to have to win at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I like the Cardinals' offensive line against their D-line. I like our D-line just based on we don't know who the right tackle is, and that's usually where the game is won in the trenches. So it's going to be interesting, but uh, I like the matchup, and I'm glad we're catching them, them early just based on what's transpired in their camp because you play them in week three or four, and it could be a lot different. Uh, you know, Tannehill's already taken you know, at least – Three to three different games where the timing is a lot better, and this is for every team. The Cardinals, uh, you know, hopefully they don't have any penalties, they don't turn the ball over in the you know in the red zone, they don't shoot themselves in the foot, as Kyler Murray likes to say. Like, don't beat yourselves. But I, I like this matchup for the Cardinals. I really do. Now, when they got Julio, I thought, wow. At the time, we had you know they had Malcolm Butler, but that's not the issue right now. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, back burner for him. Um, but I, I do like this matchup for the Cardinals, and I think in week two it's going to be completely different just from, you know, Mike Zimmer runs that defense. They like to come up the A-gap and blitz up the middle. I, I like that against Rodney Hudson and possibly Josh Jones and, and Justin Pugh. And then they're going to play zone. So all of a sudden, Kyler's going to have to be accurate. You know, we'll worry about that next week. But I'm just saying they're so different matchups based on the week one and week two. Well, let's look at some of those matchups with respects to Julio Jones and A.J. Brown because, yeah, everyone focuses on Derrick Henry, but they got some quality wideouts as well here as we continue on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We know what Jones is all about. Last year, though, limited to just nine games. He missed seven because of injury, and A.J. Brown has been a stud. A thousand receiving yards in each of his first two seasons, and last year he led the league with an average of better than six yards after the catch another physical wide receiver so the challenge not only for the inside linebackers containing the Derrick Henry but to check the secondary with respects to Murphy Alford and Marco Wilson now we got an update from coach Joseph about Robert Alford who quote looks good since returning from the reserve COVID-19 list and in the words of coach Joseph Marco Wilson has been quote a good surprise for us, end quote. And all three 
are going to play. Whether all three start might depend on where the Titans' first possession is and how they show their formation, but all three, whether you're listed as a starter or not, are going to see significant snaps. The question is, is it Murphy on Jones? Is it Alford on Brown? What do you do with Marco Wilson? If it's two corners, we know Byron Murphy is going to be on the outside, but if it's three, do they slide him back to the inside? There's just a number of moving pieces here that I'm anxious and eager to see materialize on Sunday. Yeah, and you look at A.J. AJ Brown, 6 feet, 226. And you look at a guy like Julio Jones. I mean, I do remember when the Cardinals played the Falcons a couple years ago and Larry Fitzgerald went over to Kyler Murray and said, you see that guy? You see how big he is? And so, yeah, I mean – uh, again, they're going to have to do a good job tackling. And again, yards after catch, you're talking 6.2. So that tells me he's got a little bit of burst in him. And we talked about you know him running the flyer post pattern where even if Malcolm Butler was on the roster, you're going to have to have over-the-top safety help. But again, tackling in the open field, whether it's Derrick Henry, uh, Julio Jones, uh, easier said than done. They're not the smallest guys. I mean, they're, they're, they're well-built and they're – their physical attributes will stick out when they catch the football. And the physicality and the tackling was a point of emphasis in practice on Thursday. They were in full pads, and during the open portion, which we were able to watch the drills, there was a new drill that I had not seen before involving the defensive backs and the skilled receivers, including tight ends and running backs, in which they were getting hit, the running back or the pass catcher was getting hit at the line of scrimmage and then wrapped up or attempted to be wrapped up. They're not being tackling or anything like that in practice. But some more physicality, if you will, or rushing to the football, whether it's one, two, or three different players, getting to that ball carrier as soon as possible. And yeah, it's said each week that you have to wrap up, but more so than any other time perhaps this season because of how physical the Titans are. You have to have more than one player near the football, especially if the man who's running or has the football is Derrick Henry. Yeah, and, and one thing that I'm going to be looking for, and you'll get the benefit of the doubt for me at least, you know, maybe the first month or six weeks, is, you know, Zayvon Collins' eyes. You know, we always had uh, talk, got our conversation with Birch and Barry, and it's so important. And sometimes I notice maybe in the Chiefs game, he was over pursuing a little bit. Zayvon Collins is physical. Isaiah Simmons is more of a finesse player, long player. He can line up a couple different positions. So you got to be, you got to have self-discipline there. Now, hopefully, guys up front can slow that down. But Zayvon's is going to have. He can't go 100 miles an hour. He's got to go 80 uh, because if you if you go so fast and the guy goes around you, then that's a missed assignment and a missed tackle, and you don't want that. So, and and you know, I think it's worthy of pointing out again. Jordan Hicks, true pro, captain again, um, had an outstanding training camp. Looks like he's in shape. And Vance Joseph made it very clear on Thursday he's going to have a, quote, huge role. And we think we're going to see all three linebackers on the field. And I'm not afraid to say it. I think he's going to help Zayvon Collins getting guys lined up. Again, I like the J.J. Watt on the front line. Then you got Collins and Hicks. And then you got Buda Baker in the secondary, so I, and then even Chandler Jones, depending on where they line him up. So I think the communication is going to be very important, but he can't go 100 miles an hour to start. He's got to find his role, but he's a very physical player. So I anticipate if he gets a chance in the open uh, field to tackle, whether it's a screen pass in the flat or 
you know, maybe a slot receiver coming over the middle. I'm 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 optimistic that he can make that, but I don't want him just flying around, just flying around. You got to be within the frame of the defense. Make sense? He's going to be so excited his first NFL game talking about Zayvon Collins to where you do get amped up and you're going 100 miles an hour even though maybe you don't realize it. Just everything is going so fast and you have to be able to take a step back and slow things down. Easier said than done. I get it and it's something that he'll learn probably not right away but over time that you have to kind of slow it down mentally, not physically, but kind of process what's going on, not to the point where you're behind, but just don't have so much information in your head so you're thinking and trying not to make mistakes. We've discussed it, MJ. There are going to be mistakes made. I guarantee mistakes will be made on Sunday. It just can't be repeated mistakes, and knock on wood, those mistakes don't result in what was a five-yard run. Now all of a sudden it's a 35-yard run, a blown assignment like we saw week one a year ago with Isaiah Simmons in San Francisco. Those kind of mistakes certainly get magnified, talked about, and sometimes can have a lasting impact on a player. If, if Collins has any Emmys and mental errors, it's not going to be the lack of uh, uh, film study. It's not going to be the lack of effort. It's just learning the, the position. And we talked to Marco Wilson, talked to Tay Gowan. What's the biggest difference in the preseason versus practice? The speed. It's going to get ramped up even more because now you're asking guys to go out there and play 40, 50 snaps where preseason you may only get 30 of as a starter over a two- or three-game span. Of course, their last game got canceled uh, because of Ida. So it's, it's going to be interesting, but again, we'll get into some of the keys tomorrow when it comes to the Cardinals rookies, but the speed of the game, it is much different. And then when you get in the postseason, it's even much different. And I guess if we're having that conversation, it's a good thing because the Cardinals have won more games than they lost. And fans in attendance, a lot of fans. I mean, there were some games a year ago in which there were a handful, a thousand, a couple thousand people in attendance, but now full stadiums and for young players a year ago in college they didn't have that you were on the field sometimes in front of empty stadiums so that kind of increases the intensity and all of a sudden you start playing a little faster faster than you should yeah and Buda Baker he said he loves playing on the road and I'm sure he likes playing at home but he said he likes to go there and and if you can we always talk about getting a lead and and finishing you know we talk about maybe getting a two possession lead maybe by 10 points and just pound the ball in the last 4 minutes of the game but you know they're going to be fired up Nashville is a great sports city they support their teams there and the Titans are probably probably the closest thing to we're going to, they're going to win a championship under Mike Vrabel so the crowd's going to be into it they're going to be juiced up so to speak uh tailgating going on so if you can go out there and you know quiet the crowd, um, because when the defense is on the field, it's going to be quiet in the stadium. Normally when the uh, Titans' defense is on there, they're going to try to be loud. Cardinals obviously have practice in the past when it comes to crowd noise. It's going to be outdoors, but if you can just quiet that crowd down, and, and that's, that means you make a big player or a game-changing player, you get a pick or a turnover, and, and all of a sudden you start gaining confidence on that sidelines. It is going to be a lot of fun in those first maybe five minutes, maybe the first couple of possessions. You kind of kind of get a feel of how things are going to go, but it should not be an indication of how the rest of the game goes, those first couple of possessions, especially 
if the unfortunate thing happens and that Cardinals first team offense goes three and out. There's going to be a lot of panic in the streets, but let's just wait and see how the second, third, fourth quarters go because I do think, as we discussed on Thursday, or I should say on Wednesday, that the Cardinals offense has the advantage against this Titans defense. Now, we know teams are deferring, what, 99% of the time it seems like. I mean, if the Cardinals win the toss, do you, do you feel comfortable with your offense going out there and trying to get a 7 nothing lead, or you want to put your defense out there to see where you stand with their offense? I mean, obviously Cliff's going to make the decision based on the weather and which way they want to kick. Uh, there's all the other factors in there, but – uh, again, putting your defense on the field to give the team confidence if they can get them off the field. Not saying, what. let's say they score three points. All of a sudden, now the Cardinals offense comes out there and they feel like, okay, it's our time to show up. So it'd be interesting to just see how they decide either to defer. Uh, because if you make that stop, you get that ball in the second half, and that's how you gain another possession. And that's the strategy a lot of coaches like to utilize, although to your point, you get the ball first, you score a touchdown, especially on the road, you quiet that crowd. And yes, Kyle Odegaard, we do believe in momentum here <laughs> on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. So we'll wait and see what happens on Sunday. In the meantime, as we wait, we are still – waiting for definitive word on Malcolm Butler. You brought him up earlier, MJ. I do want to point along or pass along what Coach Vance Joseph had to say about Butler, who is on the reserve retired list, has not officially said goodbye to the game of football. He's right now, I guess, maybe has hit pause. Coach Joseph, it was a surprise for all of us. Then he added a couple of interesting uh, I wouldn't say some some answers to some questions, which were important questions. But Butler is quote taking care of some personal stuff, and then he was asked whether this narrative about playing time was a factor. And according to Coach Joseph, Butler's decision to step away was not football related. Believe it or not, I understand maybe a coach trying to protect a player, but all we go off of is what we are told because we have yet to hear from Malcolm Butler. I'm curious whether it's on social media or he does come back to the football team because I do think he makes this team better based off of what he has done in his career. But that is something that certainly would have been a storyline this week, MJ, going against his former team. I'm sure he was excited to go to Tennessee and play the Titans, but that's a storyline that is not happening this week. But the storyline of Malcolm Butler and his future still remains. Yeah, I mean, if it's it's personal, then, you know, obviously that that, that takes focus of anything else. You hope he's okay and everything else. But I, I really think it's more football-related. That's just my thoughts um, um, you know, you connect the dots a little bit, and uh, but it, it, I just wish he comes to a resolution to where you know he's he's only been in the league seven years, and and you know I was thinking recently when you play for Belichick and you play for Rabel, um, every di- organization is different. They're all different. Cardinals are different than the Rams, the Seahawks, good or bad. I just wondered when he came here, was this what he expected? Because he was saying all the right things in training camp. Um, when they signed him, I got to assume they said, you know, you're penciled in. You got to earn it. You're penciled in as a starter. We looked at him as a quarterback one, even though Brian Murphy's more uh, was more um, uh, gauged in the organization as the number one corner. Uh, so, but at the same time, I mean, 
at this point, he can't help you this week, so time to move on. Yes, and we will put Mike Jarecki to work as we did a year ago here on Cardinals Cover 2. Thursday nights, we give MJ some homework, and Friday we give, or MJ gives, his three keys plus his X-factor if you will, as far as the week's opponent. So that's ahead on Friday as we close out the week. But before we close out this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, a word about folktales. It is official. It is online. It has been uploaded. Episode 1, Legendary Locker, folktales presented by 72 Soul Gang. If you've missed it, I highly Highly recommend going to the Arizona Cardinals YouTube channel, youtube.com slash azcardinals or to azcardinals.com. There are additional features as well. There is a podcast and there is a written story. But legendary locker about the Pat Tillman locker that was preserved during the renovations to the team's practice facility. Very well done. A shout-out to Grayson Choi, Tim Delaney, and Jacob Ortiz, who had a hand in the animation parts of Folktales, and that will continue throughout the season. But a job well done and a story that I don't think, MJ, a lot of people know. We know the Pat Tillman story. We know him as a player. We know him as a person. But the fact that that locker was preserved and is something that these players, these Arizona Cardinals players, when they walk onto the practice field and walk off of the practice field, they pass that legendary locker. Yeah, and our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, man, uh, he's got some acting chops there. And and the animation was great. I I didn't know that story, that he was having lunch uh, over at Oregano's and – all of a sudden, Darren tweets this out, and they're you know they're basically starting to tear up the locker room because they want to upgrade the locker room, and then he's got to rush back here. I mean, it was fascinating, and then I've worked with him and known him for years, and I didn't know any of that stuff. So, um, and again, this is just one of eleven, and they're all fascinating. And the different personalities. I thought Mark Dalton did a great job. Obviously, uh, Jimmy Omohundro. Uh, I love the way he described things and how it. He literally told us again today he was probably – if he gets stuck at a red light, this may not happen. Within seconds of that locker being demolished during yeah. locker renovations. Literally, he's walking in there. I mean, uh, it's fascinating. And, and, and again, uh, I can't say enough about how much time everyone's – you had a, a nice little part, uh, obviously, doing some interviews and, and gathering information and getting interviews. So uh, I, I had chills, and then I had a tear last night watching the, the Pat Tillman – just a whole locker and what that locker means and watching guys like Dennis Gardeck walk by every day and look at it and Larry Fitzgerald look at it. I mean, and then it leads out to the field. And so, like, that guy, he sacrificed the ultimate. He sacrificed his life. And now I'm going to go out here and play a sport that I love to play. Uh, it was fascinating. Folk Tales presented by 72 Sold, Episode 1, Legendary Locker, available right now, youtube.com slash azcardinals. Highly, highly recommend watching, listening, and reading about it as well on azcardinals.com. And on that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.